Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now let's we're gonna walk through the word tonight. And and this we're gonna walk through Colossians chapter one. And we're just gonna go with the Holy Ghost. Now if the Holy Spirit pull us out of it and take us somewhere else, that's fine. If not, then we're just gonna walk through it. Amen? And just believe him for his inspiration and so on. I, I know I know there's a <laughs> When I do this kind of stuff, there's just a risk. There's a risk of um, of uh, of me. There's a risk that I go through it in a manner, in my own study pattern, so that you know I could be going through it meditatively. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. Amen. <laughs> so that part, we'll see. All right, praise the Lord. Paul, an apostle, but you need you need your Bible. You're gonna have to look in your Bible, and God by His Spirit. This opens you up so that you can hear what he is saying. It might not be what I say, but it might be what he say. And I may say things that, that and it might be him indeed speaking through me, but just have ears to hear. Amen? All right. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a sent one. Amen. Sent. And he, sent, and he was sent on an assignment. And the assignment that he said he was sent on is, he said it was, given to him by the grace of God to, to bring to the body of Christ a revelation and a comprehension of the, of the mystery of God, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And not only for us to get that revelation and comprehension of Christ in us, which is what we just sang about, Emmanuel, but also that we would um, that we would have that revelation of Christ in us and that all men will also see what is their fellowship in that mystery. What is their part and what is their partnership in it. And that it must become such a reality. And, be, and because that is the core of what, he's, of what his whole assignment is in Ephesians chapter 3 talks about it. If you go there, we're going to rabbit trail. So let's not go there. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 3 talks about that. He, you know, he, he, very, he, he was very specific in, in trying to make that point. And that that is the very center of, of what he came to, what he was called to teach. Which, which, in fact, is the very essence of the new covenant. You see, when Jesus um, was raised up from the dead, Peter, James, and John didn't have that revelation. Right? They had a revelation of the name of Jesus, but they didn't have the revelation... They didn't fully understand redemption. So that is what the reason why Paul was raised up. Now, there are many things that comes out of it, the issue of, of um, redemption and reconciliation and all these other tremendous truths, but it comes out of this very core assignment that Paul had, which is to, all men, to, to make all men see what is their fellowship in the mystery. Amen? And that's Ephesians 3, verse 9. And to the intent that as we get a hold of that, as, we, as men grasp that, then it was it then be, then with that revelation, it's the intent of God that unto the principalities and powers would be made known by the church, which is the body of Christ, with Christ in them, would be made known by the body of Christ, with Christ in them, the, the manifold wisdom of God. And it would be even in accordance to what God had a eternally from the past um, ordered and what he had what he had eternally from the past accomplished in Christ 
because Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Amen? And then as a result of these truths, we would have access. Access to God, <laughs> access to those principalities and powers, access to angels, and quite frankly, access to people. Amen? Amen. But it all comes out of this core, the fact, the, re the reality of the revelation of Christ in you. Now, and then, and then as, 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 that is as that becomes plain, going along with that is this fact that, that we must now, that there must now be an obedience to the faith. An obedience to the faith. That's something he, he speaks quite a bit about. In, in case I don't get to it, write it down. Romans chapter 16, 26. Romans chapter 15, verse 18. Romans chapter 1, and I believe verse 5. Okay? The obedience of faith. Right? Remember Jesus says, go and make them, um, make them disciples. Teach them to observe all things. Teach them to be obedient to the faith. Paul was a little bit more precise. Jesus said, teach them to observe all things. Paul says that they would make them obedient to the faith. In fact, let's, let's, let me just show you that one. Ah, Laka. Okay. Ah. Um, Romans chapter 16. The obedience to the faith. Romans chapter 16. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. All right. Romans chapter 16. Reading from verse 25. Hmm. Well, well, well. Praise you, Jesus. Okay. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Are we going to go back to Romans? But let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Okay. Ephesians chapter 3. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> verse, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. I was made a prisoner of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I don't want to escape. Amen. All right. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. But it is for you Gentiles, for you people who were without God. Yes. Amen? Mm -hmm. And if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, words, if you would have heard about the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me for you, to share with you. In other words, it's not because I, Paul, have just studied so much and I'm so deep and everything else. No. There has been a dispensation of the grace of God that has been given to me. Amen. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote before in a few words. Paul says I was caught up into the third heavens. Man, I heard stuff that I can that I'm not, some of it I'm not even allowed to speak. Some of it I can't put into words. Amen. That's why we need tongues. He says, because he says, look, I didn't, I didn't get this from, from Peter or James or John. In fact, even regarding the Lord's Supper, I didn't get it from them. Jesus revealed it to me. How that on the, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And that is why I can tell you this whole issue, this, and I'm talking like Paul now. That is why I can tell you that this whole issue of, of, of the breaking of the bread and, and the drinking of the wine, uh, uh, representing the blood of Jesus, you are, we are really talking about a fellowship 
We are talking about the fellowship of Christ. We are talking about our common union with the body and the blood. And because people don't quite understand that, they sometimes, they sometimes eat and they partake unworthily, in ignorance, not discerning the Lord's body. And as a result, many of them are sick, many of them are weak, many of them are die because, because the healing and the wholeness and the deliverance that is available to them, that ought to be coming to them every time they partake, is not available because they don't have that comprehension. But Paul says, so that you might understand my knowledge in these things, this was given to me by the, by the, by the, according to the dispensation of the grace of God were these things given to me so that I have this deep revelation of the mysteries. Amen? And I was given it for you. So that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy um, apostles and prophets by the Spirit of God. Flesh and blood did not reveal it. But it's the Spirit of God that did. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. By this good news. By this revelation of Christ in you. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace. Not by works. Not by my studies. Not because I studied with Gamaliel. I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. In Colossians 1 verse 29, he's going to say, which work mightily in me, which works in me in a manner that is pretty well, um, in, 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 in Colossians 1 29, he's going to say, where you want to, I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me manually, mightily. The Amplified says, um, with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. Paul had a revelation of the working of the Spirit of God in him in a superhuman way. And we need to recognize that we have that same Spirit. Ah, yeah. Amen? Amen? Paul had that revelation. You see, when Paul talked, for instance, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, but before verse 13, verse 12, mm -hmm. right? where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Get that life of God. Get that kingdom of God. Get what those treasures that you have in these earthen vessels. Get it out. Get it out. Draw it out. How? By fear and trembling, by the fear of the Lord. We talked about that last Sunday night. And then he said, and while you're doing that, let me tell you verse 13. All the while you're doing that, you, that's your part. But here's what the Holy Ghost is going to do. He's going to work within you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen? So Paul had a tremendous understanding and comprehension regarding the working of the Holy Ghost within us. And we need to recognize that because it is him that does the transformation. The transformation is done by him, not by willpower. He says, but we beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord, we are transformed and changed from glory to glory by his spirit. Amen? Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is that liberty. All right? Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. Okay, where are we? Verse, um, so that the Gentiles, verse 6, should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. This grace, this assignment, this empowerment, this enablement to do what? Cause all men to see what is this mystery. And that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
the unsearchable riches of the life of Christ that is in you, which he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7, I believe it is, that this, that, that, that this mystery that is on the inside of you has been placed there for your glory. In other words, then, if you are going to get to the excellency of God and come up higher and walk in the love of God and walk in the kindness and, and walk in the power, he says, it, that is the reason why Christ was placed in you. He was in, he's there for your glory. Right? Even the hidden wisdom of God, which was ordained for us before the foundation of the world, it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Unto our glory, unto this, this, this excellence. And the glory is a couple of different things, ways of looking at it. Um, Isaiah 35 verse 2 says, the excellence because the glory, the excellency of God. In Exodus, when God revealed himself to Moses, remember Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And he says, I'll hide in the cleft of the rock and I'll let, and I'll let my glory pass before you. And then when, he, when the glory was passing by, the Lord, the announcement came. The Lord. Um, full of mercy, full of grace, full of kindness, full of judgment, right? full of excellence, and you, and you begin to literally declare his attributes. That tells you what? The glory of God is like the sum total of the essence of his being and all of his magnificence and, 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 and beauty and holiness and righteousness and judgment and perfection. You see, that is what the glory is all about. It's like taking light and putting it through a prism. Right? And then when you get orange, babe, red, orange, yellow, indigo, violet, and whatever the case is. But if you were to take the glory of God and pass it through some spiritual prism, that's what you're going to start seeing. The Lord full of mercy, full of truth, kindness, gracious, long-suffering. Amen? Full of power, perfect in love. And then you find out that the love binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, so Jesus said, the Bible says in Hebrews, I could see Colossians chapter 1, Seems to be gone. <laughs> so, but Jesus said in, um, in, in, not Jesus said, but in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, it says that Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. Not just to get them saved, to bring them to what? To that excellency. To bring that into the very essence of, the, of God's being and who he is and have that become their life. That become, and that is why the promises of God are given unto us to draw those things out. Those aspects of his divine nature. You know right? Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers. We might take the part of the divine nature and draw it out. Right? Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4. So, the issue of the glory of God again, the, so, so, so hence it says in First Corinthians chapter 2, the hidden wisdom which was ordained unto our glory. This mystery was, is just for our glory that God has placed Christ in us. Because he comes to bring many sons to glory. He comes to bring many sons into this very supernatural, divine excellence in the attributes of God. Can you imagine God in us? God so desired to share himself and even his attributes in us and through us. I mean, like, that's wild. You know what I mean? That this is your life. And so now he says, this is the life I've ordained for you, that I planned for you from the foundation of the world. Right? The devil messed things up. Jesus came to restore it, and now you can have that life. And I want you to have that life. This is the life I want you to have. This is the life I want you to have manifested. This is what I want, to, want fulfilled in you. Amen? Amen? So it's a tremendously high calling. Mm -hmm. 
But you see, there is a cooperation on our part with the Holy Ghost, but there is also a working of the Holy Spirit that Paul said work mightily within him. Amen? Now, um, and, and as I was saying, you know, we talk about the faith. Now, there is the aspect of the faith, of course, acknowledging every good thing that is in you, the treasures in this earthen vessels, calling those things that be not as though they were, and so on, agreeing with God, agreeing and recognizing what God has already done in Christ, agreeing with it, having such confidence in it that you'd speak it. There is that aspect of faith. But there is also an aspect of faith that is called the common faith, that is called the faith. Amen? To bring men to the obedience of the faith. What does that mean? To bring men to the obedience of the faith. What is the faith? of the, What is the faith? The faith is that Christ in you. That is the faith. To bring men to that obedience. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if our whole thinking, our whole speaking, our whole attitude, our entire conduct was to the place where it is in absolute obedience to, the, to, to Christ in us. Can you see that? Support says that's well, of course, if his assignment is to unveil this mystery, then it goes with that. Well, because, because of that, that's why the revelation of righteousness, the sacrifice, and all these things. But if that is his assignment, which it is, then it just goes with that at all right. Now that we got it, now God says there's a little bit more. You need to become obedient to the reality of Christ in you. Amen. There's a verse of scripture. Um, <laughs> there's a verse of scripture uh, we, we had a woman still but um, there's a verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 interesting verse 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says for though we, he was crucified through weakness that's, is that the one I'm looking for oh no that's verse 4 I'm reading okay verse yeah, let me read verse 5, 4 anyway. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Examine yourself, not whether you have faith. Right? It would be kind of almost absurd when God said he's dealt to every man a measure of faith, when the word of God says that, that, um, that we have the same spirit of faith, when it says um, um, we have like precious faith, for God to turn around by the spirit of God and tell us, check yourself out to see whether you're in the faith, if he's talking about the same thing. You follow me? Right? But if he says examine yourself, whether you be in the faith, then it must be there's a possibility you might not be. Hmm? And he's talking to believers. That means you're born again. Examine yourself. Where do you be in, in the faith? The faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you? Can you see what the faith is? Knowing. Having that consciousness that Christ is in you. Can you see that? Except you be reprobates. So in other words then, I'm a believer, I'm born again, I'm washed by the blood of Jesus, but if I somehow lose that consciousness that Christ is in me, and I get outside of that and I'm operating, thinking, conducting myself like if that's not so, right? I'm acting like a reprobate. 
Right? And, and, and I'm not operating in the faith. Can you see that? Therefore, it, is, it would hence be very imperative that you and I develop a consciousness and an awareness of Christ in us. In other words, we must be God-inside-minded. We must have that consciousness. And that's part of being spiritually-minded. Amen? That is what Paul was speaking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34 when he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. What do you mean awake to righteousness and sin not? Well, awake and have a consciousness of your oneness with God and Christ in you and sin not. All of sin and come short of their glory. So awake to righteousness, awake to this oneness that Christ is in you, and stop coming short. Stop living in that place of separation. Stop coming short of the glory of God. Amen? Jesus came to bring many sons to glory, and he says, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them. Can you see that? So there is a necessity then for us to have that awareness, have that consciousness, just like the song ended there, and on the, uh, that word that came forth about Emmanuel. It is necessary to develop in that consciousness and that awareness. And it is also important to be obedient to that. Obedient to the faith. Does that make sense? All right, Romans chapter 16. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. <laughs> He that has power to establish you according to my gospel. Can you imagine if a preacher came in here and said, my believers, I know you love God, but let me just share with you tonight my gospel. Because I believe the Spirit of God wants you to be established according to my gospel. Well, how do you feel about that preacher? <laughs> you think he's arrogant. Like, who does he think he is coming here talking about my gospel? But that's what Paul said. And he said it in a few other places. And I believe he was humble. But he meant it too. Why could he, how could you say something like my gospel? Right? I believe when you get to heaven, and you know, we go and we sit and we talk to Jonah and we find out some things about Jonah. We ask Peter about his experiences and, and you know, denying Christ three times. And, uh, and, and while you're talking to Peter and you're talking to James, uh, you know, James, the one that got his head, that died, the first martyr and all that stuff, etc. Well, he was the first martyr among the apostles and so on. And then Paul would be standing over there and say, Hey, hey, don't you want to hear about my gospel? <laughs> Paul would say, Come on, come, come, let me tell you about my gospel. I believe you do that. In heaven? Yeah, sure, why not? Don't you want to talk to him? Yeah, but I don't think we need the gospel in heaven. You don't think what? I don't think we need, we're, we have the gospel here. I don't think we're needed in heaven. But, but, but what I'm saying is when we get to heaven, there are people there, I mean, there might be some videos I'd like to see. Wouldn't you? Yeah. There are some videos. I mean, like, I love to see how that wall of Jericho came down. Yeah. I like to see I like to see certain things. I like to see what happened after Paul got stoned. How did he get up and walk back in town? And I'd like to talk to I like to talk to Jonah about where he was coming from when he said, "When he, you know, give me some more insight. What do you mean that um, that he that he that what he that some that that that, that something that observed lying vanities forsakes his own mercy? What do you mean by that? You were in the belly of this whale, this fish. Was it a whale, by the way?" <laughs> I mean, I have questions. Well, I believe, and, they, and I think Jonah would be glad to talk with me. Right? I mean, how about Samson? 
You know what I mean? Hey, man, you lift that whole gate. I thought you were a bigger guy. Now that I see you, let me look at you. I thought you were like big, huge. That's the movies I saw, you don't look any bigger than I am. How did you do that? He said, with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came upon me. Well, similarly, Paul would say, well, okay. Is it okay for me to come and say, Paul, okay, now? I read a couple of places, at least three references, where you refer to my gospel. What's your gospel? Why you call it your gospel? You think Paul would get offended? No. Paul would say, have a seat. <laughs> Let's talk. I think he'd get all excited. <laughs> but he, I think he had a right to say that. Paul said something in Galatians chapter 1, and verse, and verse um, I'm not finished with Romans. <laughs> um, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, where Paul said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Well, we understand what the grace of Paul, Paul's life was about. It was, it was for that assignment. To reveal his son in me. And that I might preach him, his son revealing me. Among the Gentiles, among the heathen. And then he immediately, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I didn't, go to, I didn't run up to Jerusalem to find out what they think about it. I didn't even ask my flesh or my head, what do you think about it? I didn't confer with no flesh and blood, including myself. All I knew is what God said to me. He said to me that from the time I was born, this was his intent. From the time I came out of my, my mother's womb, he had called me and he had separated me. And his was his purpose, that his son might be revealed in me. And that I might preach him, his son revealed in me to the people that were without God. So that's why Paul could call it my gospel. He didn't get it from anybody else. Amen? Hallelujah. So we can't go say my gospel, but <laughs> Paul did anyway. <laughs> All right. Romans chapter 16. We still there, right? Verse 25. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. So now you know what that he, what he, now you know what the gospel is. It's Christ in you. Amen? No longer you to live, but it's Christ that living in you. And that's the life you now live. And that's what God had ordained from the foundation of the world. Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel Christ in you and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in, Christ in you. Which was kept secret when? Since before the world began. But now it's made manifest. And remember when you hear the word manifest it must also go to the point of it must become experiential. It must become your experience. It must become your testimony. And now it's made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known unto all nations. That's all the people that were without God. What for? For the what? For the what? For the obedience of faith. For the obedience of faith. For the obedience to the reality of this life in you. In another place, and if, when we get back to Colossians, there's a hidden verse in there that basically tells us that God wants us to have to be filled with the knowledge of his will in, in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding for this purpose. For the purpose that we can um, have, have a conduct. Well, in, 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 um, in King James it says that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. But when you dissect it, 
it is saying that, I'm gonna, uh, that, that for us to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual understanding and fully grasp this reality of Christ in us so that, walk worthy of the Lord, so that we might, have a, that we might conduct ourselves in harmony with that truth. Amen? Which is to say what? Your conduct, the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act, their attitudes will be consistent with what? The same life of Christ in you. But what is another way of putting it? Obedience to the faith. Can you see that? Obedience to the faith. What are we talking about the faith? Christ in you. Amen? You know, what is the life that God wants us to live? Christ in us. I don't like the life I have. What do you want? Well, the life, the life that Christ has ordained for you is Christ in you. Amen? Right there, Romans chapter 15. Well, it doesn't quite say that, but nevertheless, verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of the things which Christ had not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. But he means, but make them obedient to the faith. Amen? Romans chapter 1. Well, let's read verse 4, 4. Verse 4, first. You are declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. How much of that power will be made manifest? It's going to be according to the Spirit of Holiness. By whom we have received grace and apostleship, what for? For what? For obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name. Which is to say, from an assignment standpoint, even mine, what is it for? Is it just to preach this or that or get folks excited? No, it cannot finish there. It has to be to make believers, first the unsaved, but to make the believers what? Obedient to the faith. Amen? To make them obedient and have a life and conduct consistent with the fact that it's no longer them, but it's Christ living in them and it's Christ living in you. That is the reason why Galatians 2.20 is the truth, but it needs to become your truth. You are crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live, yet not you, but it's Christ that liveth in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ and live by the faith of the Son of God. But that must not just be truth in the word, or that must not be just a wonderful scripture, that must become our experience. Amen? All right, praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go to Colossians chapter 1. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. All right. Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, are at Colossae grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. In other words, since we heard about your faith which works by love. In other words, man, you guys are serious. Amen? Is, these guys, it's not, you're not just talking faith in that you're not just talking and talk, but man, you guys have faith working by love and God is love. And for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Whereof you heard before in the word of the truth, 
of the gospel. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, in that realm, that hope you've been born again to, which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. The truth of, of Christ in you. That word that was preached, that word that was declared. That message of the truth. Now, it's going to say in, in Galatians 2 verse, verse 14 that we are to walk upright in the truth of the gospel. There are truths that come out of the fact that Christ is in you. Amen? Amen. There are truths that come out of the fact that Christ is in you that we must walk in. And then when we recognize the truths of Christ that are in you, there's hope connected up to their meaning. There is a vision. There's something that you can envision. There's something that you can see, aha, uh -huh, this is how it's going to be. This is where I need to be going. Amen? Like when you see in Christ Jesus, for instance, that you've been crucified with him, when you see that, that's a truth of the gospel. That's a truth of Christ being in you. That is no longer you, but that you've been crucified in him. And that you came to an end by the death that he went through in his body. So what, 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 what comes out of that? What hope comes out of that? Now I can see myself. I'm dead. I'm unaffected. People don't influence me anymore. I can't even get offended. Wow. Awesome. You see the hope? Now I gotta now now I gotta be diligent as it says in in um, in, in Hebrews six verse 7, verse eleven. Now I gotta be diligent to come to the full assurance of that hope. And in verse twelve, Hebrews six twelve says, "Through faith and patience, I'm gonna obtain that inheritance." That was a piece of my inheritance up there. This reality that I'm crucified and what and the, and the hope that comes with that. Amen. Now we can really get off right there, but anyway. Can you see what I'm saying? So he's saying about a hope. But you notice where hope and faith and love, how closely they park each other. And in verse 6, which is to come unto you as it is in all the world and bring it forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and you knew the grace of God in truth. Now that's an awesome phrase. You know the grace of God in truth. Mm. Now, if I was attacking the faith message, if I was, I'm not. <laughs> but if I were to attack the faith message in terms of, I want to say not the faith message as such, but the misunderstandings that come out of it, right? If I was to try to um, uh, 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 bring some kind of rebuke and correction to grace people, man, I could use that phrase, right? I could use that phrase because, no, no, the Amplified says, no, no, don't, don't, don't get all, don't, don't relax, don't, 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 don't get all defensive or anything, it's okay, it really is okay. <laughs> We're just having fun. <laughs> and knew, knew the grace of God in truth. The Amplified says, that's verse 6, you came to know the grace or undeserved favor of God in reality deeply and clearly and thoroughly becoming accurately and intimately acquainted with it. So the, the, the Amplified really amplifies that. Become acquainted and so on and so forth regarding the truth, the truth of, in other words, not just the grace of God, but, but, but having a clarity about it, um, knowing it thoroughly, 
get, get into the, to the depths of its reality and the accuracy and becoming intimately acquainted with it. Because when we study the grace out, for instance, last week we were talking about that. What are some of the keys? Well, we know it is a faith that it might be by grace. No faith, no grace. But then we also know faith working by love. No love, no faith. Right? And we also know, okay, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah, and we also know, let's start the Hebrews chapter 12. Just for a moment. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Anyway, and, okay, while, while you're turning there, so we also know that, in fact, the conclusion from last week, Wednesday, was the fact that the key to all, to everything else, was the fear of the Lord. Amen? Sunday, the same thing come out when we were talking about what? About living and, and, and possessing this life that God has, and the, 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 possessing the God life that God has for us, possessing it. Amen? It came down to the same thing, work it out with fear and trembling. Right? Um... And Proverbs 19.23, how the fear of the Lord tended to life. It tend, it moves you into that God life. So we saw some things about grace and some keys connected to it. But let's just, 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 just on a little side note here, look at this here for a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, watch this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Follow, pursue, pursue peace mm. with all and holiness. Pursue peace with all and holiness. Be pursue, go after peace. Go after everything, the reality of everything being reconciled um, to God's original intent. And there's a verse, even if I had to skip everywhere and just jump down to it to, support, to close, I'll do it. <laughs> all right? That, 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 that has a nice little insight into that issue of peace and reconciliation that is in um, Colossians chapter 1. We'll get back to it. But nevertheless, pursue this peace with all and holiness, without which no man shall see God, without which no seeing of the Lord. Actually, ooh, I never saw that. Follow peace with all and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I, have to, I believe I may have quoted that saying, without, without no man shall see God. I just didn't, I didn't realize that. It says no man shall see who? The Lord. The Lord. What does the Lord mean? Master. Master. Can you imagine, here you have a situation of lack, and you can see the Lord. That lack would be mastered. You follow me? When the Lord is manifest, everything bows. Lord, Master. Amen. I'm not taking away from God. I'm not taking away from other names. But Lord, in other words, you see, because you see, this scripture could be misunderstood to mean that if you're not pursuing peace and you're not pursuing holiness, God only and his domination in your life, then you're not going to make it to heaven. It could mean, you know, you couldn't misunderstand it to mean that. Right? If anyone you do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We could misunderstand that. When in fact what it is mean, it says, pursue peace, pursue holiness, because without it, you're not going to see where the spirit of the Lord is. You're not going to see that lordship and that domination that will come from him being Lord, which has to do with manifestation. Can you see that? Amen. Amen. 
Now the next verse, verse 15 says, because that is the case, look diligently. Pursue? No, we're talking about diligently. Look diligently. Exercise foresight diligently, lest any fail of the what? Grace of God. Lest any fail or come short of the grace, the provision, the enablement, or even God himself in manifestation. Lest any root of bitterness which would mess things up, spring up, trouble you, and thereby defile you, disqualify you, chop you off. But now it did say, going back to, in order to get a hold of this grace and so on and so forth, pursue peace. And what? Holiness. Without which no man, man shall see the Lord. All right. Think about this scripture for a moment. Matthew's turn over it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. The attitudes. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. So, pursue what? Peace and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Blessed, empowered, blessed are the what? Pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, if you were to equate those two verses, ignore the God and Lord for now, and it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they're going to see God. Pursue peace and holiness without which you're not going to get the Lordship. You're not going to, um, no man shall see the Lord. We put that together, that gives me a little hint that blessed are the pure in heart, that the pure in heart pursue what? Peace and holiness. Amen? Now, If, if the, the, the pure in heart, you know the Bible says to, to the pure all things are pure. Um, okay. Let's let's go back to Colossians. We're gonna hook this up. Yeah, we're gonna just hold that thought. We'll come back to it. Colossians chapter one. Let's leave that thought over here, okay? Where is it? Where do we put it? Um, anybody have a hat? Put it over there. I want to make sure everybody could see it here. Remember that thought? Which one? Peace, holiness, see the Lord. Pure, blessed are the pure in heart. So pure in heart, slash, or equal, peace, holiness. Okay. So we leave that thought up here. Okay. All right? All right, fine. Let's get back to Colossians. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where were we? Okay, let's just, okay, um, you know the grace of, okay, verse 6. Riches come unto you as it is to all the world, bringing forth fruit, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and you knew the grace of God in truth, the grace of God in truth, and the depth and the dimension of that grace, and the accuracy about it, how to function in it, and so on. And as you also learn of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit, 
For this cause we also, since the day that we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding, that you would understand the length and the breadth and the depth and the height and get the comprehension and, and, and be able to, to know this grace and truth. Why? Verse 10, so that you might walk worthy of the Lord. The Amplified says, so that you may live and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. In other words, you can get a hold of this, the depth, the, the heights, the, the, the spiritual wisdom, the understanding, the comprehension. And by the way, the fear of the Lord is the key to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the key to understanding. Amen. You can prove that easily from the Psalms and Proverbs. What for? So that you might walk worthy of the Lord, so that you can have the right conduct. So that you can think, talk, act, and have the right attitude. Right? Philippians 3 verse 20. 20 and 21 says that when your conduct is heavenly, is according to how it is in the spirit, then God's the Bible says Jesus himself will rise up and he will smother everything that is rebellious to him. Amen? And make your vile body to be like his glorious body and healing and everything that shows up. Okay. And that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Okay, I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace, and having made peace, how? Through the blood of his cross. What for? To reconcile all unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth. Or things in heaven. It's out of that verse that we see the peace that comes as a result of the blood of the cross, as a result of the sacrifice. What it brings forth is reconciliation, everything reconciled unto God, everything reconciled to God's original intent. Amen? Now, verse 21. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now had he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Okay, watch this here. Verse 20 talks about this peace, reconciling everything to God's original intent. All right? And verse 21 says, it says, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now had he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Now had he reconciled. Now had he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Now he had reconciled. Like move, move to the verse division. Now he had reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you holy, etc., etc. Let's think of that. There is a reconciliation or... Or uh, there's, a, there's a reconciliation, and don't forget the peace, reconciled everything to God's original intent. And this is amplifying it further and saying this is how it was done. This is, this is why it happened. It happened through the body of his flesh, through death, meaning, and made you holy. Holy was a key word to holy, like God. Holy, God only. Right? And don't forget it's that God only that causes us to have all these treasures. Right? That can cause God to share all of who he is with us and put himself in us. So now it says this was brought about 
this holiness, this unblameableness, unblameableness, this unreprovableness in his sight, this work of perfection, which is the very image of God himself and the life of God, it came about because of this reconciliation of the body of his flesh. Now, when we think that this peace, this reconciliation took place because of the sacrifice, the blood of the cross, and we look at all this, this reconciliation in the body of his flesh. In other words, whatever, now listen to this now, true death. Let's not forget the death. Whatever his body finished on the cross, whatever Jesus' body finished, in death is yours. Whatever Jesus' body finished in death. Now I know that's a study, but we are all the old man is crucified. People are crucified to you. The world is crucified to you, right? Um, and, and there's a number of things. The law is crucified to you. So everything that Jesus did, in fact, on that body is where he took the sickness, took the disease took the poverty, took all of that, took the curse. So whatever he put an end to in his body is yours. Whatever he put an end to in his body in death is yours. All right? Now also, whatever he possessed or got a hold of, whatever is his, because all that belongs to his, to him is yours, right? As he is, so are you in this world. Right? Jesus says the Holy Spirit will take what's mine and reveal it unto you. So everything he finished in his body in death is yours, is mine. But everything that he has, or that he got, or that he has in his body in resurrection is also yours. Think about that for a moment. So that in resurrection, is where he's got this most excellent name. Isn't that right? When did he get an excellent name? Mm -hmm. In resurrection. Right? Yeah. These, the, the, that divine nature and all these problems is in resurrection. The living hope that we've been born again to is in resurrection. The new life is all in resurrection. So now, so when we, so now, when we see that, now, now let's interject one other thing. Sorry, I don't know how you're doing with the time. But one other thing we need to interject is this. The word reconciliation, if you were to go to the, to the Greek, is actually exchange. It's actually exchange, which means what? In his body, there was an exchange. Okay, there was an exchange. Everything that you were, he became that you can be everything that he is. He became sin, that we might be made righteous. He became sickness, healed, whole. Amen? He became separated, accepted. Amen? He became, what else? Rejected. I think I mentioned that one. Right. Yes. Everything he became, there was an exchange that took place in his body. And then, of course, because we knew we were in him as well. Okay. All right. So now, so when we're talking about peace, we're talking about everything being reconciled. When we're talking about holiness, we're talking about God only. And now, now can I get this now? Okay. 
pursue hope, peace, and holiness, God only. And that's when you do that, what will happen? You'll see God. Manifestation will take place. You do that, and that's what God calls pure in heart. Amen? So when it's going to talk about us getting revelation, wisdom, understanding, uh, so that we might walk worthy of the Lord, that we might conduct ourselves in a certain manner by the revelation of what he has ended in his death and what he's brought to us that is ours in his resurrection, there is now no room for strife. We were, we were praying about that. There's no room for offense. Amen? I mean, we have no choice but to walk in forgiveness. There is no other way. You cannot do that, and, and that is why the issue of the obedience to what? Obedience to what? The faith. the faith. Obedience to that reality of that life that you have. And that life that you have, certain things ended in his death, certain things are now yours by resurrection. And Paul says, look here, I've been given grace and by this dispensation to reveal this stuff and get men to see what it's all about. But not only that, I also have a next part of this assignment. Make them obedient to the faith. And if any man loses consciousness of the reality that this is who he is as a believer and it's Christ in him, then he's operating like a reprobate. So examine yourself and make sure that what? You're in the faith. That you live in this place, away to righteousness. God is in here. And you live that way. When you live that way, recognizing what's done, what's finished, the reconciliation that has been taking place, the peace that has been purchased, the exchange that has taken place, then, then you can see why it would say, to the pure, all things are pure. To the merciful, what a choice do you have when we merciful? There's no room to be judgmental. Right? And then you can see why that would just go right smack into the fear of the Lord. Right? These things does the Lord hate. A lying tongue. Right? Um, what else? Hands that shed innocent blood. He that spread discord among brethren. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Keep your tongue from speaking evil. Your lips from speaking God. Seek peace and pursue it. You want long life and many days? This is how it works. Psalms 34. And it's so bam, it comes right back to the fear of the Lord. Which again, it should. Because in verse 9 of Colossians, it says, look, we begin, when we heard that they were walking in love, when we heard about their faith, when we heard that they were walking in love, when we heard that these were some serious believers, Paul says, man, me, Timothy, and my crew, man, man, we cease not to make mention of you always in our prayer. That you would get a hold of this hope. And that you would just and that you would and that you would just grasp and, and get the truth of the gospel and be established in it. And man, we begin to pray and we begin to ask God that you would give, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that and that and that you would be filled with all wisdom and all spiritual understanding so that you could walk and conduct yourself in a manner that is consistent with this life, bringing forth fruit, etc. 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 You've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. In him you have redemption and the forgiveness of sins, even according to the riches of his grace. Him who is head over all things to the church. Him who has preeminence. By him all things exist, etc., etc. We had skipped all those verses. Are you with me? Amen. Obedience to the faith. Amen. Obedience to the faith. Amen. Obedience to the faith. 
And what is the key to all of that spiritual wisdom and understanding? Fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Is that the truth? Yes. Well, that's my gospel. No, no, that's the gospel. <laughs> that's my gospel. <laughs> that's our gospel. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Amen.